Well, hello there and welcome back to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit and your financial life in order, you, my friend, are in the right place. But before we get started, a quick word from me. My sponsor. I know this whole podcast is words from me, but you get you get the gist. We'll start with a little bit of a plug here about some of the stuff that you can buy in my business. Now, if you've been following along, you may have seen me promoting recently a new offer called the Contract Vault, and it's pretty straightforward. It's every contract template that I offer all within one place, all within one login area. I'm calling it the Contract Vault. We have. Client contracts, a postponement agreement, cancellation agreement, release agreement, contractor agreements, web terms, all sorts of templates in there for course creators as well as service providers. It is amazing, and it's all for the low, low price of $30. Wild, I know. But I just kind of decided to get it created. I had a course in the past called Unfuck Your Contracts. It's basically the same program. I just rebranded it, added some stuff, added some stuff, changed it all that good stuff. And I did a promotion for it last week. My original goal was to sell 50 of the contract vault. And we passed that on pretty much day one. And then I upped it to 100. We hit that by Wednesday. And then I upped the goal to 150. And I wanted to hit 150 by end of day Friday. It was kind of arbitrary. We got to 142 by end of day Friday, but 150 by the end of day Sunday. And I was like, hey, End of the weekend, seven-day period, I will take it. I was very, very excited. Um, Obviously, the income is nice, not going to lie about that, but was also very excited about the fact that I had created something that clearly was a very big need in the industry that people were loving, they were sharing with their friends. So with all that said, if you want to check it out, if you want to purchase it, if you don't already have access, you can go to www. The W's are very important. I, I still have an issue with my website. I got to get it fixed. It's on my like to-do list that never gets done. www.bradendrake.com forward slash contract vault. So go uh, grab the contract vault if you don't already have it. Please share it with your friends. Um, they would probably love to hear about it. Okay. So that's all about the contract vault. And also I wanted to let you know in the uh, coming weeks around, I think on Valentine's Day, I'm going to be releasing this. I'm going to have a program called the Tax Season Playbook. Now, full disclosure, right now I'm kind of still deciding what I want it to look like. I don't know if it's going to be like a mini course or if I'm going to do a five-day challenge. It'll be one of the two. But it's likely going to be a low-ticket paid offer, kind of like the contract vault, probably around $50. But it'll be designed to help you navigate tax season. Now, I hear what you're saying, or I hear what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, Brayden, I am ready to get to tax stuff now. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Some people are really eager to get started. But I typically don't recommend getting tax returns done until March anyway, because if you're owed a 1099, you might not be getting that until mid-February. And we're going to talk about 1099s today. But this is why I'm not rushing the tax season playbook. I just want you to know about it so that you don't just go try to do all your tax shit like in the dark, on your own, wishing that you had help when the help is going to come. Okay, so I will have more information uh, for you probably on that next week. All right, so stay tuned. Okay, so today's topic, 1099s. I've been getting tons of questions on this. I always call 
like the last two weeks of January 1099 season, because if you're not already aware, 1099s are due by the end of January. Most people are not thinking about it right after the new year. So this is the window where everyone has tons of questions. And I've been fielding questions in other people's Facebook groups, in my Facebook group in particular, the Braden's Besties group. If you're not already a member, make sure you go join. They get the first look at everything I sell, everything I have for free. I answer questions in there all the time. www.bradensbesties.com. We'll take you there. Go join us. And I started a dialogue in there about 1099s this week. And I created a blog post. And then every time someone had a question, I would kind of look, does the blog post really answer this question? If not, let's go edit the blog post. And that's what I did. I also created a really cool infographic. So in today's episode, we're going to do another like read along with me. I probably don't need to preface these episodes with that because I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm a really good actor and you don't realize I'm reading. But what I'm really doing on some of these episodes is I'm going through like my blog post. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to try to make it not super dull, like you're just reading to a story time. But it's easier um, for me to give you the most like bang for your buck in this time when we do that. All right. So let's start, and we'll link this blog post in the show notes as well. So if you want to read it, if you want to share it with friends, you can do that. If you're like me and you like to just learn by listening, you're an auditory learner, then of course, you're good with the podcast episode. All right, here we go. Why do we even send 1099s? Well, it's because the IRS requires us to. That's the obvious reason. But why do they care? Here's an example. If I pay you $2,000 to update my website, take my brand photos, write some copy, manage some social media, whatever, I'm taking a $2,000 deduction. Makes sense, right? I'm going to pay you $2,000 to do some stuff in my business. I'm going to take a $2,000 deduction as a contractor expense. That logically means that someone else earned $2,000 in income right? I paid you $2,000. I take a deduction. It means that you clearly had income. But freelancers are notoriously bad at taxes. That's why you all have me, right? They're not reading my blog post. They're not listening to my podcast. The IRS does not trust them to report all their income. So 1099s in part solve this problem. They do this in two ways. First with 1099Ks. So that's K as in Kardashian. It's sad that that's the first K word that came to my mind. Third-party payment processors like Stripe, PayPal, you get the picture, are required to issue 1099-Ks if their users meet certain income or transaction thresholds. For example, I earn about 95% of my income through my website, which is connected to Stripe. The bulk of my income will be on the 1099-K I get from Stripe. For this reason, all my clients and students who pay me through my website don't need to issue me 1099s. How wild would that be, right? I told you that I sold 150 uh, copies of the contract vault last week. If all 150 people of all 150 people had to send me 1099s, that would be out of control. So 1099 case. That's the first method the IRS solves this dilemma. The second method is through the 1099-NEC or 1099-NEC. I still don't know what the consensus is on what we're calling this, okay? I'm calling it a 1099-NEC or NEC. NEC stands for non-employee compensation. Actually, just if I say 1099 from now on, you can just assume that I'm talking about this document, okay? So that's what we're talking about primarily on today's podcast episode. So what's the general rule? According to the IRS, you must file a 1099 for each person in the course of your business to whom you have paid during the year at least $600 in services performed by someone who is not your employee. 
There is also an exception for payments made to S and C corporations and LLCs that have elected to be taxed as S corporations. So you don't need a 1099 corporations, in short, just sole proprietors, single member LLCs, and presumably general partnerships. Naturally, there are exceptions to this exception. Lawyers must get a 1099 even if they have corporations. It's because the IRS doesn't trust us. Understandable. There are a couple of other very rare exceptions, and I have a link to the IRS website uh, in my blog post with those exceptions. You probably don't need to worry about them. If they were common in the industries I help with, I would be more explicit. You are also not required to issue a 1099 if you paid the service provider by credit card, PayPal, or other third-party network providers. That's because they get this 1099-Ks, presumably. So in summary, you need to send a 1099 to someone if you answer yes to each of the following. One, the person was a non-employee. Two, the person worked on behalf of your business. Three, you paid that person $600 or more in total during the tax year. And four, you paid that person via cash, check, or ACH payment, or used a third-party uh, or used a personal third-party provider. So this would be like using a personal Venmo account. More on that in a second. Okay, so um, two, I mentioned that payment processors send 1099Ks to businesses. So to businesses is the keyword here, key phrase. If you use a personal Venmo account, tsk, tsk, on you, we don't want to be doing that for business, right? You would need to send a 1099 since that's not a business processor. At least this is my understanding. This issue is a little bit gray, but I talked to a, a CPA about it, and we kind of came to a consensus. A consensus. I can't say that word. I should eliminate it. The same is true if you pay via PayPal friends and family. This is further reason to use only business platforms. By trying to skirt the fees, you're making your accounting a pain in the ass and likely violating those platforms' terms of service. So after that, in the blog post, I have a really nice infographic. You should just go to the blog post to check it out. Um, we might post it on Instagram as well when this episode goes up. Um, I've already posted it in my Facebook group, so you can get it there as well. But you can actually I have a button where you can download it and then just keep it handy, which is great. All right, let's continue. Um, I have some examples. So example one, um, a few virtual... Awesome virtual assistants, VAs work with me on a weekly basis in my business. I pay them through Gusto. Gusto links to my business bank account and pays contractors via ACH payment. Two of those contractors work in the U.S. I would need to issue them a 1099, assuming I paid them $600 or more during the year. Luckily, Gusto makes this very easy and automates it. And then I give my affiliate link for Gusto. Of course, they're fabulous. Check them out. Two, a few rock star business owners promote my various programs. They earn affiliate commissions when they get sales. I pay them via PayPal, a third-party payment program. Thus, if I'm using business PayPal, I do not need to issue them a 1099. Example three. This year, I hired a fabulous friend to do another brand photo shoot for me. Please see my beautiful photos on my website and social media. Shout out, Crystal. She sent me an invoice through HoneyBook. I paid with my business credit card, so I would not need to issue her a 1099. I would only issue her one if I paid via ACH, which some payment processors and CRMs do allow. Okay? So back to those third-party payment processors. And also, this... Discussion here, stay with me. This discussion is going to be really helpful next week because on next week's podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about the new laws around 1099Ks. 
So up in the intro, I gave my website and Stripe as an example for 1099 case. I have forgot I I have gotten the following question several times. So really popular question apparently, in my Facebook group. What happens if I pay through a processor like Stripe, but the person I pay doesn't meet their transaction or revenue threshold for a 1099k? The short answer is it doesn't matter. That's not your problem, not my problem. It's not any of our problems. It's up to the processor to follow their rules, and there may be a gap in people who aren't getting 1099s right? Makes sense. So they have their own thresholds. Um, Some people might not get 1099s. And this is why um, the threshold is likely changing. It actually is why the threshold's changing. The IRS has basically said that. And this threshold, this new law is what I'm going to talk about next week. Don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of ruin the surprise. But the gist of next week's episode is the new law basically should not change the way you're doing taxes at all. It's pretty inconsequential, to be honest. Um, Normally, it's not even something I would think to be talking about. People are freaking out about it. So I have to, I guess it's, it's my, I feel like it's my responsibility to release the content to put everyone's, uh, calm everyone's nerves, so to speak. So stay tuned for more details. But meanwhile, remain calm. So some more context to 1099s. I think you'll find this helpful, I hope. I think more of the confusion around 1099s relates to the general misunderstanding of how taxes work and how business income is reported. So stick with me here. I think this context will really help. Let's start by looking at business revenue. The following is actually an excerpt from our ProfitRx textbook. So subtle plug, you should join us if you haven't already. Revenue is all the income your business earns. If we had a pie chart of your business income, revenue would be the whole pie. Let's look at an example. All right, so Gina is a graphic designer. She creates 100 logos for $500 each. That's some high volume work, but the math is pretty simple. 100 logos, $500. Gina has $50,000 in business income from those services. It's taxable income as soon as Gina receives the money from the clients. Assume Gina builds two websites for $10,000 each in addition to those 100 logos. Her total income is now $70,000. Both her web design clients send her 1099s for $10,000 each. So let's assume that they originally paid her for or by uh, by check or by ACH payment. So they'd owe her a 1099. So she gets two 1099s for $10,000 a piece. When Gina files her taxes, she will file a Schedule C. On the Schedule C, as part of her tax filing software, it's going to ask, do you have any 1099s? And she will say yes, and she will input the information from both of those 1099s, plus all of her other income. Gina's P&L, her profit and loss, will show $70,000 in revenue. When completing her Schedule C, she takes any amount reported on the 1099s for, for her business out of that revenue. So Gina had $70,000 in income. She inputs her $20,000 in 1099s. Remember, she got two of them for $10,000. That totals $20,000. She then reports other business income of $50,000, which is the difference, right? So her total was $70,000. She got 1099s for $20,000. She did not get 1099s for $50,000. If Gina were filing a Schedule C, the software would add those amounts together to show gross receipts of $70,000 on line one. That will equal the $70,000 in revenue on the P&L. So pretty simple example. What's more likely to happen is if Gina uses a payment processor like Stripe, then she probably is going to have two 1099s for $10,000, two 1099NECs, and then one 1099K for $50,000. Or if she's like me... Like, yeah, I usually like 95% of my income is on a 1099 and then I get like various 
like a few people will pay me by check for speaking engagements, that kind of thing. So I have a little bit of income that's not reported on 1099s. And I could just probably not put it on my taxes if I wanted to be real sneaky about it, but we don't want to be doing that, okay? Assume the following year or this year, Gina has all the same income as last year. In addition, she also gets a new client who has her fill out a W-4 so she can get on payroll. At the end of the year, she gets a W-2 from that client for $30,000. Now watch Gina's business income. So I probably could have cut this part out of the blog post, to be honest, because it's not really relevant to 1099s. But, you know, like, fuck it. We'll continue. I think it's still helpful. So it's the same, right? Um, that $30,000 is employment income. It's separate and apart from the business income. Gina should be depositing those employment checks straight into her personal bank account and not in her business account. When she files taxes, she still has $70,000 in business income on her Schedule C, and she has $30,000 in employment income, which does not go on the Schedule C. So this excerpt came from the part of the program where I'm talking about business revenue and how to distinguish between business income and non-business income and how those types of income are taxed differently. So that's very helpful to know, but this is also really beneficial to understand how 1099s work. All right. So up until this point, we've talked about really the most important aspect, which is when do you owe a 1099? Now we're going to talk about how to send 1099s. And this is just kind of a bullet pointed list I have. So step one, you need to send the service provider uh, a link to the IRS W-9 form and ask them to return it in time for you to file the 1099 by the end of January. So if you know you have to file your 1099 by the end of January, 1099 is very hard to say, you guys, when you say it very fast, very often. I, I got to calm down. So you need to get it. You need to get your W-9 probably at least a week before. So you have some time. Okay. If they question why they need it, you can just direct them to my podcast episode or blog post. I will take the free traffic. And also feel free to let the person know that they can get an EIN for free and within five minutes by using the IRS application because the W-9 will ask them for EIN or social security. We don't want to be tossing our social security all over the place. All right. So step two, once you get your 1099 or your W-9, rather, you can use an online service to electronically complete and submit 1099s. And I hyperlink one in my blog post. They're all the, you know, they're like all the same. It doesn't really matter which one you use. Three, create an account. You're going to put in all your information, all that good stuff. The, the software is going to walk you through it. Okay. And I should mention that most of these programs charge you like one to two dollars per 1099. So if you're only sending five to 10 of them out, this shouldn't cost you more than like 20 bucks. So it's not cost prohibitive by any means. Step four. Um, okay, I'm going to skip the rest of these steps because really it's just kind of walking you through the steps in that particular program that I link, which is not very helpful to hear over a podcast. Just go do it yourself. If you need the directions, go to the blog post. So last section here is on if you're expecting to get 1099s. Note that it is the payor's responsibility to issue 1099s. So if I'm paying you for services, it's my responsibility to issue you 1099s. So if you're expecting to get one from me and you don't get one, don't sweat it. It's not your problem, not your responsibility. You don't get in trouble for not reporting a 1099 you never received as long as you're reporting your income. If you need to send out multiple W-9s to those who owe you 1099, so you provided a service for a lot of people, they paid you via ACH payment, whatever, you know that you are going to 
be due several 1099s. You can make your life easier by filling out your W-9 form and sharing it via a Dropbox or Google Drive link. So put it in a folder, make a link for it. I would put the link on my business blueprint section of my Asana board so I can just copy and paste it whenever people ask. Really easy. So that about covers it on the 1099 front. Um, It doesn't have to be all that difficult. One thing I do want to mention is that oftentimes we have this issue of of people wanting to send 1099s to people who should not be getting them. If you're in that circumstance where someone's trying to send you a 1099 and you're like, whoa, whoa, I don't need this. I don't want it. It's going to cause an issue and make it look like my income is being double counted because I'm going to get a 1099K from my payment processor. And now you're sending me a 1099 for the same income. We don't want that. You can direct them to my blog post. Um, if they don't know me, they might be like, who the hell is this guy? I don't really trust him. That's fine. If, if they're feeling that kind of a way, then you can always send them to the IRS instructions. So you can always Google, and I think I might have them linked in my post, but you can Google IRS form 1099-NEC instructions, and the instructions have all the rules. In fact, the instructions are where I typically go as the source law when I write these blog posts, because the IRS lays it all out. They just don't do it in a way that's like meant to be read very well by the typical taxpayer. So I think my blog post is easier to read. That's kind of the goal. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know, write it. I just send you to the IRS instructions. But you get the gist. If people really um, are not seeing eye to eye with you, you can send them straight to that source, which can be helpful. So that's all I have this week. Um, again, at the up at the top, I mentioned the contract vault. Go check it out. If you need to be sending 1099s, make sure you get that done by the end of January. All right. Otherwise, you have penalties. If you don't get it done by the end of January, make sure you do it anyway, because the penalties get bigger the longer you wait. And also stay tuned for more information on the tax playbook. So that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode. Again, if you find this helpful, I would love, love, love for you to share it with all of your friends, post about it on social media, um, run Facebook ads to it, um, get a billboard or like a poster board with the podcast name and like go spin it on the street in front of a really popular tourist destination, all the things to get the word out there about the podcast. All right. So I'm going to stop yammering now. I'm going to go record next week's episode. So stay tuned and I will be back in your podcast app next week. Have a good one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.